0: ...means the ministry's interfering at Hogwarts. You're not going mad. You're just as sane as I am. I must not tell lies. You seem to be laboring
1: under the delusion that I'm going to... What was the phrase? Come quietly.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. everyone welcome to another episode of hogwarts a podcast we are talking chapter 10 luna lovegood elizabeth is back with us again hello and uh i know these two chapters uh were definitely ones that you wanted to discuss the the last one being the woes of mrs weasley and now this one luna lovegood and we will get to specifically why.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's in the title. I love Luna Lovegood.
0: <laughs> uh, that is one part of it. But there is a second part, which we'll get to towards the end of the non-spoiler. But Yes. Uh, yes, obviously the chapter title is a person's name. So we obviously will meet a new character here.
1: I love the chapters where it's like, new character! And it's just like, oh, what are we getting into now?
0: Who is this going to be? <laughs> Mandy Brocklehurst doesn't get <laughs> into
1: You write that chapter and then release it on Twitter.
0: (laughs) Speaking of Mandy Brocklehurst, (laughs) Anna sent me something from MuggleNet recently that was like a class of 1998 reunion type of thing. Yeah. And it says, a true Ravenclaw through and through, Mandy Brocklehurst works for the Daily Prophet, writing the wildly popular, yet loathed, fiendishly difficult crossword puzzle.
1: Oh, look so, at Mandy!
0: There's our Mandy Brocklehurst.
1: <laughs> She's becoming such a round character.
0: <laughs> there's our uh, Mandy Brocklehurst moment. There you go. <laughs> um, wow, didn't I didn't really expect. Although I, this is a spoiler alert for the non-spoilers. A little later on, uh, we do find out that Luna Lovegood is in fact a Ravenclaw. So there you go. <laughs> Anywho, all right. So essentially, this chapter is. Us getting to the uh, Hogwarts Express Mm -hmm. and that adventurous, chaotic morning that leads to an interesting way to even get to King's Cross.
1: Yeah, I mean, they couldn't get cars this time. He said the ministry wouldn't even give Arthur an empty ink bottle because... No one wants well, to trust after Arthur the, with anything right now.
0: After the interaction we saw in the last chapter, yeah, uh, yeah that's going to be hard.
1: Yeah, so it's just walking over.
0: Yeah, which, how did they score a place so close to King's Cross? Like, the black family had to be like, we need to be right near a transportation hub. They had
1: the money. They probably were like, let's go for the best. And then, you know, make it unplottable so no one can ever visit us. It's an introvert's dream. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> i suppose so uh yeah so it, it's kind of an interesting way to just get there i think they end up meeting tonks out front and tonks doesn't even look like tonks she's changed her like not just her nose or her hair color she's changed like everything like she looks like a completely different human being
1: yeah which very much reminds me of just because we're both marvel geeks and secret invasions out right now it's like a scroll like, she can change bit. herself so much that it makes me wonder if she creates the appearance based on her imagination or if she bases it based on, like, an actual human being that she saw at one point. Probably
0: a little bit of both, but what an asset to have in the Order of the Phoenix.
1: Also, what a form of artistic creativity. You know, like, you can just paint yourself to be whatever you want it to be.
0: Yeah. She was at the the party on the last night with the woes of Mrs. Mrs. Weasley and the Boggart and everything. They were saying that she looked like the older sister of Ginny. Oh, because she had yeah, like the, she had a
1: long waist. Waist-length
0: like... tomato red hair. Yeah. Uh, which was interesting. But now she looks like an older woman.
1: Yeah, it's kind of fun.
0: <clears throat> it's, a, it's an interesting style. So uh, we do get some information on a few of these characters when we get to the train. So we have some things to talk about. Ginny, obviously Luna Lovegood. Neville gets a lot of time here.
1: Serious, even a little bit, too.
0: The serious. Cho appears. <laughs> uh, we get some Ron and Hermione as prefects. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get, obviously, Draco, because Draco can't go too long without being
1: silent. <laughs> he missed him over the summer.
0: <laughs> uh, we get this thing called the Quibbler, and we'll describe what the Quibbler is. <laughs> and then we actually arrive at Hogwarts and get into the horseless... Are they horseless carriages? Uh, we'll, we'll get into all that. So... Uh, You mentioned Sirius. Yeah,
1: so Sirius, I mean, Dumbledore apparently said that he shouldn't go with them. But he, of course, can disguise himself like a dog. And Mrs. Weasley was kind of like, you know, it's on your head if you want to come along with. Go for it, I guess. But it's probably a big risk and a stupid one at that. But he disguises himself as his dog. And he's like chasing birds and wagging his tail and just being freaking adorable. So he's entertainment for Harry, but it gives him the chance to go out into public, which Ron was like, the man hasn't been outside in forever. Like, let's just give him this.
0: See, here's my my thing about it, is I think it's pretty clear that Wormtail would have dished the info that Sirius is... Oh,
1: 100%.
0: So there's that. But also, you're going with Mad-Eye Moody, who doesn't change his appearance at all that we know of.
1: Well, didn't Mad-Eye go off to take care of the luggage? Was he walking with them?
0: He's in the vicinity. Okay. So, I mean, if he's in the vicinity of King's Cross on the day that the Hogwarts Express is leaving.
1: Oh, your point being he could protect and, like, keep an eye out for things?
0: Well, I mean, yes. But also, if you're a Death Eater actually watching the events of this, Mm -hmm. let's, let's say you're Lucius Malfoy. Mm -hmm. And you have a right to be at the Hogwarts Express because you're seeing your son off, right? (laughs) Like, if you're Lucius Malfoy and you're just sitting back and you're like, okay, so that's obviously serious. Right. Okay. Oh, wait, there's Moody over there. Like, you're getting a scout of their entire protection. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and who's really involved in the Mm -hmm. watching of Harry Potter? Mm-hmm. The only one that actually does disguise well at all Tonks. is Tonks. <laughs> like, I'm thinking, shouldn't you orchestrate this better to disguise your protection plans or who's even protecting him or where are some of these people are? Well, on?
1: I'm pretty sure, like, yeah, Moody's in the vicinity, but he was in charge of taking care of the luggage. We don't know how he got the luggage over, if he, like, rented a car or did some magical whatnot to to transport it. But you're right. Like, I mean, obviously we associate the Weasleys with Harry. They usually deal with him. It seems suspicious anyway. that
0: Harry would show up with an entourage is essentially. What I I'm... think
1: it's more suspicious that he would randomly show up with a dog that he's never shown any indication of owning. And those who know him would know well enough that like the Dursleys probably aren't going to have an animal, have a pet to come with. But to be fair to Sirius, he does have the disguise, and it's not like he's he doesn't he doesn't want to he be is, sitting at home while they go off to the. He train. is
0: acting like a dog as well.
1: Yeah, the only time he doesn't is when he like gets up to put his paws on Harry's shoulder, which dogs do we, that. Yeah, like Mrs. Weasley yelled at him, but it's like I mean yes, it to we know it's him trying to hug him because he wants to hug him but yeah dogs jump up all the time but
0: here's the here's the thing that i think mrs weasley might have taken it like the whole time he's you know i think they say a lolloping along beside them yeah chasing his tail he's literally
1: just being goofy for this right
0: which that could be any dog yeah here's the thing though it's like that uncanny valley kind of thing Mm -hmm. of like okay the dog dogs jump up And put their paws, their front paws on your chest, your Mm -hmm. stomach, your shoulders, Mm -hmm. what have you. But there's that uncanny valley where it's like, usually the dog's not like looking right at you eye to eye. Or like, there's that... That's that's not exactly how a dog Well, it was the same
1: with like McGonagall when she was in cat mode and the Dursleys were like, that's... Strange behavior. weird behavior for a cat. Exactly. It's natural. Which does make me wonder like when... Like, an animagus is, becomes their animal form. Like, how much of that form is still their human self versus how much does the animal behavior kind of take over and, like, become the dominant personality? I don't know. There's
0: There's got to be some crossover there, but...
1: Like, you go from human mode to animal mode, so then animal mode is, like... Yes, you should sniff your butt and like chase your tail.
0: And maybe you're just. Whatever. Maybe you're just inclined <laughs> with some particular. Like, like, you're just seriously like, squirrel! And <laughs> just like running
1: off. Snuffles, <laughs> get back here! <laughs> and then the squirrel's also an animagus, and that's like a oh. whole. Well,
0: that gets complicated. <laughs> so guys, I swear. That was a Death Eater over there. Oh. Uh.
1: in any case I mean we know like Harry's happy about him being there until later on when Draco makes a comment that seems to imply he knows that it was serious which you're right Lucius would have recognized it and obviously told his son because Draco must as much as he's like my father must hear about this he's like
0: my son must hear about well, this well he's sending him newspaper clippings all for the collage time.
1: yeah so you know Malfoy made a comment about dogging and and Harry and Hermione both catch on to that, but that's, of course, later in the chapter. Yeah, we're
0: getting a little ahead of ourselves. We have, there's a little bit, uh, not a little bit, there's a lot more of Ginny in this chapter. Keep in mind, we have barely heard a peep out of Ginny through book three and book four. Right. Uh, She got a little bit of, of some shine around the Yule Ball in book four, but other than that, it was very quiet.
1: She's relaxed a bit around Harry, I think, because, I mean, in book two, obviously, like, I mean, she was sending him secret valentines and sticking her elbow in the butter whenever he's around and
0: blushing immediately,
1: blushing immediately, being so tongue tied. and, And I forget which twin it was. I was like, you know, it's so weird for her to be quiet. Like, that's just not her personality. So clearly at least two years worth of hanging around Harry has helped her chill a little
0: yeah you're definitely seeing uh much more of her personality come out mm-hmm. especially in this chapter where she kind of leads harry away from ron and hermione mm-hmm. uh to find an open compartment on the train and ends up finding the compartment that luna is sitting in and jenny preps harry with the oh yeah Looney lovegood sitting in there we'll be fine we're, we're good yeah and, uh, you know, we can get into that in a second, but uh, throughout this scene, if we're just taking this compartment scene, mm-hmm. just for Ginny, uh, you know, a, a lot more laughter, a lot more... She uh, takes
1: charge of stuff. I mean, like She takes when charge. She just, like, cleans up the uh, stink sap, like, you're seeing oh, no problem. Whatever. Yeah.
0: Along with her personality, you're also seeing a little bit more of her magical talents come through. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, she is a Weasley. Mm -hmm. Her family is quite talented. Um, She included. (laughs) This is so. Yeah. And you're starting to see a little bit more of that with the the Scourgify Mm -hmm. um, spell that she uses. So she does interact with Luna in a very interesting way.
1: Yeah, she said she's of her same year, just in Ravenclaw. And the fact that she calls her Loony.
0: Not to her face.
1: Not to her face. So to her credit, she's not, you know, being the, calling weird Barbie, weird Barbie to her face. But it's just like, uh, it's a little cringy, because you know that she's heard it so much from probably other people too, that she's also using this nickname that is demeaning. Um, But from the description of Luna, uh, Harry said it quickly became clear why People call her Looney Love Good.
0: Elizabeth, she was staring unblinkingly at Harry <laughs> for an extended amount of time.
1: Do you know the description they gave of her?
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: They said she had straggly waist length, dirty blonde hair, very pale eyebrows, and protuberant eyes that gave her a permanently surprised look. The girl gave off an aura of distinct dottiness. I love her.
0: <laughs> she, well, Luna has this knack for saying whatever, Mm -hmm. doing whatever, Mm -hmm. feeling whatever, and not feeling like she has to apologize for any of it.
1: I love it. She has like zero qualms about like, this is me, I'm awkward, and take it or leave it. I love that personality.
0: So we also, not to move on from Luna, because I will double back on Luna for a second, Mm -hmm. but I want to... Shift to Neville just briefly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Neville's also in this compartment. And
1: well, at first, he's not in the compartment because he sees Luna and he's like, eh, I don't want to go in.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, he's with Harry and Ginny trying to find a compartment, right? And he hesitates, um, which tells you something about Luna because Neville's not exactly the most popular kid at Hogwarts, and he's like, "Ooh, I don't know, I don't want like, I
1: don't, I to don't talk to her, I'm afraid of like. It it gets, Ugh. it's
0: the vibes of a cafeteria at lunch in high school, like the first week of school.
1: Oh, I would totally be like, where am I going to sit? This is, this is something to stress out about. Where's, where's the compartment? Which Harry did feel with not having Ron and Hermione there, because they had to go off by the prefect. Carriage. So
0: Luna, being who Luna is, she's like, you're Harry Potter. And Harry's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and she looks over at Neville and she's like, I, I don't know. know who you are. <laughs> And Neville's like, a nobody. I'm yeah. nobody. And Gin- Ginny's like, no, 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 no. It's time out. That's yeah, that's don't, Neville. Don't
1: call yourself a nobody.
0: And then uh, you know, he pulls out his his new gift, which is the Mimbulus Mimbletonia.
1: Which I think this plant is the most appropriate kind of plant for him.
0: It's a small gray cactus that features boils mm-hmm. and it has a defense mechanism, which Neville was so uh, willing to show off mm-hmm. where he stabbed it with a quill and then the stinking sap got everywhere. <laughs> and uh, can I just point out Which
1: is not poisonous, it got in Harry's mouth.
0: Can I just point out, it's a super rare gift from his uncle Algie. Was it his uncle or his great uncle? Algie is a little on the nose there. Well, I, I
1: mean, she's always on the nose. I mean, my naming. goodness
0: gracious. I mean, that was <laughs> right on. I think it's from, uh, was it the Middle East?
1: I can't remember that. I was more taken by the fact that this plant seems so appropriate for, for Neville just because the plant has a lot of like defense about itself, and, and Neville definitely has his defensive walls to kind of protect himself from potential bullies and protect himself from the trauma of his youth. But at the same time, like, you look at it, it doesn't look like a lot, but the plant is way more formidable than you would assume. And Neville is also has much more magical talent than, you know, he lets on or from his appearance, he seems to
0: have. You're right. It was his great uncle, Algy, And I was right. It was from Assyria. <laughs> <laughs> so...
1: He's very proud of it, though. He's a very neurology. It. It's, it's going to be fun. He's going to bring it to class. Let's do a little show and tell.
0: So you get this group. You get Neville, Harry, Luna, and Ginny. Mm-hmm. And then Cho comes in and sees everybody just covered in this stinking sap from this plant. But
1: Yeah, I mean, Harry and, and Neville both have it the because... I think Luna was able to cover her face with the magazine at last minute. Ginny also covered herself, but Harry was holding Trevor, so it was just like fistful,
0: but <laughs> I, I, dripping with it. I think it's really interesting that Harry notes that he wished he was sitting with cooler people, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's a thought to dive into. I don't know if you want to dive into it in the, in the non-spoilers here, in the spoiler section, but...
1: You can do a little bit of both.
0: It's an interesting thought. We're talking about a 15-year-old kid, and we just mentioned the cafeteria kind of setting mm. of, like, you don't know where to sit or whatever. Yes, you think that maybe this isn't the, the coolest people, but who would you rather be sitting with here? Would you sit with these people, or would you rather sit with the people that come into the compartment next which is draco crab and goyle
1: well it's such a high school thing because i mean you know too from working with teenagers but teenagers are so like preoccupied with the thought of like don't make fun of me i have to look cool it's not until they go to college when suddenly being like "Eh," whatever is like becomes acceptable and you can walk around in your pajamas if you want and no one's going to bat an eye. But in high school, it'd be like, oh, my God, look at what they're wearing, like that kind of thing. So, I mean, from Harry's perspective, it's, you know, Neville, who has consistently been dorky, the little sister of his friend. And then this Luna girl who is
0: nicknamed Looney.
1: Yeah. Who who literally even, even yeah. if he doesn't know anything about her, she just looks like someone who's just like. I don't know, like, just out there. So for Cho, who we know he's had a crush on before, to come and see him covered in stink stink sap and surrounded by this group, it's just, like, so mortifying. But at the same time, he does make the note that, like, she sought him out, which, much as I have my qualms about the whole Harry-Cho romantic drama, I give her props for coming to go find harry to like say hi and initiate the conversation i i think that was active on her part (laughs) we don't get much of
0: cho she immediately leaves leaves right away and then which i don't
1: blame her for i mean it it's it's called stink sap for a reason
0: yeah and then we get uh we get ron and hermione returning as prefects from their (laughs) prefect duties
1: ron is so dramatic He literally, like, collapses into a chair and closes his eyes like he's just had a day. And then he immediately eats chocolate. Like, this has been, what, like, two hours, not even, of just being a prefect. And you're already like, oh, my gosh, these children.
0: Leadership is exhausting, Elizabeth.
1: I I know. uh, Dealing with teenagers is exhausting. Yes, it is.
0: Uh, so we we do learn some information. We get the other prefects from the other houses. Mm-hmm. We learned that Draco Malfoy and Pansy Parkinson are the Slytherin prefects. Do you uh,
1: think Malfoy was made a prefect just to stop Lucius from like throwing a hissy fit?
0: Um, I think, like always, I think it comes down to a couple of things. One, yes, Lucius Malfoy probably <laughs> had something to say about it, and Dumbledore just didn't want to deal with it understandable uh two um you know draco is kind of the ringleader of that year's slytherins mm-hmm. so i mean he's the most prominent one that group well crab and goyle are definitely out <laughs> as options who else is in his year is it is blaze the in his year
1: i think he's older
0: he might be a year older i don't know i'd have to double check but yeah i mean i I think Draco's the clear choice. Mm. Uh, and, you know, Pansy Parkinson, uh, of course. They, well, she's
1: like the only female Slytherin that we know
0: of, so. Well, Millicent Bulstrode, and um, there's got to be one more. Wasn't Millicent older, though? Maybe. I can't remember the years specifically.
1: Basically, we're going back to Jen's point of the fact that there are not enough Slytherin but there aren't, out there.
0: <laughs> to all of our points, there aren't enough <laughs> other students mentioned other than Gryffindors. Yeah. We know a billion Gryffindors, and we barely know any of these. Yeah. For example, I'll get to the others. Uh, we do know Ernie McMillan and Hannah Abbott from Hufflepuff. We don't know much about Hannah Abbott, though. We haven't heard that much. Ernie no. McMillan caused a whole uproar because...
1: He was the one that was like, it's Potter. He's the heir heiress. Right, in the
0: Chamber of Secrets yeah. uh, book. So we know he's just a little bit of a loudmouth. Uh, not shy about his opinions. <laughs> I was rooting for Justin Finch Fletchley. I did not get that. Uh, the Ravenclaws that are represented... Are Anthony Goldstein and Padma Patil. We have heard of Padma Patil, obviously, because of what Luna mentions. Right. Didn't you go to the Yule Ball with Padma Patil? I heard she hated the experience.
1: (laughs) Not even a question. She just flat out was like, you went with her. She didn't like it. (laughs) You didn't dance with her at all.
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh, So we know Padma Patil, but Anthony Goldstein, I know very little, if anything, about Mm. So, I mean, that's more proof to the point of we really needed more information on some of these (laughs) other students. But I guess here's some of your information on them. So, Mm -hmm. there is that. I I do, uh, going back to the Luna comment about uh, the Yule Ball, she goes like, oh, you know, I wouldn't have minded that. I don't like dancing so much. Yeah. And then she just makes a couple of comments that just has ron like just kind of half-heartedly smiling and like shaking his head
1: ron's reaction to luna in some ways is funny in other ways is fairly problematic i think like the funny aspect of him just like he stares at her just kind of open mouthed, and is like i don't know what i'm looking at and i don't know what i'm taking in and her, his reaction makes Ginny just like giggle up a storm, and even Harry's kind of like, you know, it's kind of funny, but at the same time, it's like, like he, he's showing that same quick judgmental tendencies that he's had the entire series. I mean, like how he judged Hermione from the get go, and like how he sometimes reacts to people that are you know different from what he's used to it, it's always for ron it seems like he has to warm up to somebody and kind of reassess his um perception of what's cool or what's normal
0: honestly i think this is a pretty good reaction from him because some of the other interactions that you've mentioned he was mean yeah
1: he was brutal to her
0: mind yeah like just mean and here, he's not mean, he's just kind of like...
1: He's dumbfounded.
0: <laughs> a little bit. But that's not a bad reaction. No,
1: it's it's just a little bit like... I mean, Luna very clearly does not socialize in a neurotypical way. Which we can get to more in the spoilers. But it, it's it's very much like... You know, Ron clearly has never interacted with somebody like this before. And... His social graces usually are limited to a point. And dealing with someone like Luna, it's kind of just like, like, what am I looking at? And Ron very clearly shows that thought on his face.
0: Well, it's not just Luna as a person either. She's also reading this magazine upside down. (laughs) And this magazine is called The Quibbler and
1: what a great name for a magazine too
0: it is a good name for a magazine so it's essentially uh anti-programming to the profit yeah it's like whatever the profit is the quibbler is going the exact opposite direction of it
1: it's full of like conspiracy theories and fringe ideas it reminds me of when i was little and at the grocery store and you'd see those like black and white newspapers with like bat boy and and whatever like pictures on the front cover you remember those Mm -hmm. reminds me of that
0: Yeah, I I like the idea that there is counter programming Mm -hmm. because there should be. The profit shouldn't be your only source of information. Granted,
1: no, we got a monopoly bust.
0: (laughs) Right. That being said, some of the thoughts in the Quibbler are, I feel like they're really close, and then they just take a left turn randomly, and I'm like very
1: quickly too
0: and aggressively.
1: I mean there was like the Fudge article that was saying he was a goblin hater and talking about like smashing their bodies and wasn't like grinding their their bones and putting it in bake-
0: the bane of goblins or something like yeah, that. Like yeah, like
1: baking cakes out of their bodies or something like that. And the funny one though that caught Harry's eyes was the serious black one.
0: Do you mean Serious Black, aka Snuffles, <laughs> aka Stubby Boardman?
1: Apparently he has a musical career we had no idea about.
0: <laughs> this is, uh, Harry assumes that this is the article that Kingsley was talking about mm-hmm. in his office with Arthur that, hey, Sirius might want to take a look at this.
1: Could you imagine being serious and seeing that and just like, why' just laugh for hours. <laughs> like, this is so ridiculous, but
0: it's so funny. I love how the Quibbler does try to get interviews with people. To substantiate some of their stories. Yeah. And...
1: But the people are so out there. Yeah. I mean, the woman said that, obviously, this is stubby, not serious, because they were having a romantic candlelit dinner that night. So, there you go.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting. We do learn, however, uh, that Fudge became Minister of Magic literally five years ago, as this storyline started back mm-hmm. in sorcerer's stone which i think is an interesting point to note we also learned that luna's father is the editor of the quibbler
1: which we only learn because hermione does a very big foot in the mouth moment yeah she calls the the quibbler rubbish says everyone knows that and luna's like um excuse me my father is the editor And then she immediately grabs her quibbler back and turns it upside down again, which, according to the chapter, was because there was a spell you could figure out if you turned it upside down about turning your enemy's ears into kumquats. So clearly, because of that insult, Hermione is now enemy number one. She should be careful about her ears.
0: Hermione has some thoughts in this chapter. She essentially called the quibbler rubbish. Uh Uh-huh. And then she earlier referred to Pansy Parkinson as a cow. She called her a cow.
1: Yeah, there, who who was one? She called. She's thicker than a concussed troll. Like, what an insult!
0: Yeah, she's <laughs> she's on fire today for some reason. Like Hermione's as, disgruntled. I
1: feel like Hermione had as much of a morning as Ron did, whereas Ron is like dramatic, of flop onto the couch and just be like. Oh, I need a breather. Hermione's like, everyone is so stupid and I cannot handle the, like, the mediocrity that's surrounding me. I'm probably a combo of it, too at the end of the day.
0: Speaking of idiocracy surrounding someone, uh, we get Crabbe and Goyle's uh, appearance <laughs> with Draco.
1: <laughs> what a transition. Thank you. And, <laughs> and- Segway.
0: And Draco, uh, like you said earlier, mentioned the dogging uh, comment. Right. uh, Which only Hermione and Harry picked up on, and they shared anxious glances.
1: Yeah, I mean, Malfoy also is bragging about the fact that he's a prefect and Harry isn't. And he's like, hmm, touchy subject that Ron beat you out. But I, I do agree. I think that the dogging comment was the real reason why he stopped by.
0: Yeah, I think that's the reason he wanted to just take a take a shot at Harry. There, mm-hmm. uh, we get to Hogwarts, and we find that Hagrid is not here. Professor yeah. Grubbly Plank is taking over his duties, shuffling the first years onto the castle.
1: Mm-hmm. Which, of course, he's concerned about because Hagrid is home for him. Like, literally, the first person to introduce him to the magical world not being here is is scary.
0: Sure um especially you know going so long without him and there's been a lot going on so <laughs> and he was also almost expelled from Hogwarts. And they War can, they and yeah. Um so anyway they end up getting shuffled towards the carriages that'll take them up to the castle. Mm-hmm. And Harry notes that what he thought were horseless carriages now have these things attached to them and he wondered why they can move by themselves. The description of these creatures are great. It says, There was
1: something reptilian about them. They were completely fleshless, their black coats clinging to their skeletons, of which every bone was visible. Their heads were dragonish, and their pupil eyes white and staring. Wings sprouted from each wither, vast black leathery wings that looked as though they ought to belong to giant bats. The creatures looked eerie and sinister. Creepy.
0: Very creepy, and <laughs> Harry's noting this, and he's trying to get Ron's attention mm-hmm. and be like, "Dude, do you see this? Mm-hmm. See what? No, the the thing that's right in front of you." Right. And then he like literally places him like <laughs> right. almost nose to snout with this thing, and then Harry's like, "Oh, maybe he can't actually see it." Gee, you which think?
1: I mean, Harry has had the experience of people not being able to do the things he's done, like hearing snakes, right? You know, so. At least he caught on to the fact that like, oh, okay, you're not messing with me. This is not a, just a stupid joke. Like you you literally cannot see this. Why?
0: However, someone can. Yeah. You have the quotes as to what this interaction is.
1: Luna, she said, "It's all right. You're not going mad or anything. I can see them too. They've always pulled the carriages. Don't worry. You're just as sane as I am."
0: You might. Remember that quote from somewhere? <laughs> Where might you have heard that quote before? I don't
1: know. It was a good one to put into the opening sequence. I like it a lot. I, it's not it. reassuring for Harry, though. It is not reassuring for Harry. Everything <laughs> Luna has
0: done up to this point does not reassure it. <laughs> uh, with that, we are going to put a pause on the non-spoilers, and um, Elizabeth has a lot to say about these interesting creatures <laughs> carrying the the carriages to the castle, so...
1: Mobile banking requires
0: downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so we are back with the spoiler section of Chapter 10, Luna Lovegood. And we will just pick up right where we left off with the...
1: Creepy creatures?
0: The creepy creatures <laughs> carrying carriages. <laughs> You're Good <welcome>. job. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, This is where I take a step back and let Elizabeth go.
1: Well, we know what kind of creatures they are. They're Thestrals, which are my absolute favorite magical creature. I love them so much.
0: Why, Elizabeth?
1: Well, okay. So the Thestrals, we know. um, The reason why Harry couldn't see them before is because the only way you can see a Thestral is if you have seen death. And understood it. Which I know in the fandom. There's been times where people are like. Well he saw his parents die. Like shouldn't he have seen these the entire time? He was a baby. He didn't understand death. That's why. That's the loophole they're giving. of As to why he couldn't see them. Um, but we know there's several. Characters who can see them. We know later on. Like obviously Luna can see them. Because uh, her mom died. Neville can see them. He saw. think it was a aunt or uncle that he saw die I can't remember exactly Uh, obviously Hagrid can see them because he later introduces them in care of magical creatures but a lot of the students can't which to be fair is a good thing that they haven't seen death and been traumatized by it but the reason why I love them so much I mean yes they have the creepy exterior but later when we see them helping Harry and the gang navigate their way to the min- to the ministry, like, they're just little sweethearts. They're just, like, you know, like, rummaging around in the garbage and just, like, licking the blood off of Harry's face and just being, like, adorable little cats or dogs or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. But I think really what, if I'm going to go deeper with it, the reason why I love them so much is because if you see someone die, it's a very scary, traumatizing experience and you're obviously going to be depressed and I think on the edge of life and death yourself. You're you're broken. And I think in times like that, it's most important for people to have someone with them to like help them navigate through that, you know, difficult time. And similar to the way, like, if you're dying, you know, you would see the Grim Reaper come to take you. I feel like the Grim Reaper has the bad rep of, like, the Grim Reaper is killing you. I don't think he's there to kill you. He's there just to, like, collect you and bring you to the afterlife and take you on. So it's like, you know, you, you don't have to walk alone towards your death. There's someone there walking with you. When you see someone die you have the Thestral suddenly there to kind of give you a little bit of emotional support and realize like you're not alone there they might look creepy but they're there to show you that death doesn't necessarily have to be as as scary and traumatizing as people make it out to be.
0: Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Yes. I think you buried the lead on <laughs> why Thestrals are a cool, unique creature in the wizarding world. I, I think that idea of them appearing to you after you've witnessed a traumatic event...
1: A death that you understand as death.
0: ...is important. Mm. And the only qualm I have about the whole thing is are you telling me that no student has ever walked between the carriages
1: and like Like tripped over them the thing is still there (laughs)
0: like are you telling me if Harry took Ron's hand
1: and like pet it
0: yeah and like here's a thing
1: (laughs) well we know later on that's like how they're able to Get up on them. Because another cool thing about them is that they have amazing sense of directions. Which maybe is another reason why I like them so much. Because I don't have a sense of direction. And if I had one, it would be able to get me anywhere I want to go.
0: Well, I would say I would wish for you to ever have one, except that would mean...
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't want to see anyone die. <laughs> Please and thank you. Unless it's like a old person natural death. I don't need to see any murders.
0: However, I will say this. If you do want a Thestral, just... Uh, not with a traumatic experience attached to it. They do sell them at the Wizarding World. Do they? The Magical Menagerie Shop.
1: Is it like literally like a harness that you just can't see the, like what it's attached no, to? No,
0: you actually there's a it's a black winged horse. Ooh, yeah. I
1: kind of yeah. do want one. <laughs> no, I think they're they're really cool. And uh, later on, obviously, um, when he's having the lesson about them, I think it's one of Hagrid's better lessons. Of course it's it's undermined by various other factors, but I think it was Lavender who mentions the fact that they're supposed to be like super unlucky because of um, you know, their their association with death and stuff. And I again I think it's like it doesn't have to be like a dark depressing thing. I, I think they're they're fun. We
0: we can talk <clears throat> more about Thestrals as they become more integral to the actual plot of mm-hmm. the story. But you they are also a vessel to see a little bit more of the wisdom of Luna Lovegood because Luna does impart some of her brilliance when describing Thestrals and their their place in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes back to some of what I was talking about in the non-spoiler with that compartment of people. You look at Ginny, you look at Harry, Neville, and Luna, Mm -hmm. and Harry's like... I do not want to be in this compartment right now. Look at who I'm they're with. They're
1: a bunch of dorks.
0: He marries Ginny. <laughs> and the two of them, Luna and Neville, end up becoming crucial well, this, this to his success. at
1: this time next year, literally, they're hanging around in the carriages. And people keep trying to be like, Harry, you don't have to sit with them. You can come sit with us. And he's like, I don't want to. These are the people I want to be These with. These are my people. He, they <laughs> yeah. are cool. And when they're like, oh, you know, I think Luna says like, oh, people expect you to be with cooler people than us. And he's like, you guys are cool. You were the ones who went with me to the ministry. What
0: you guys have done is more than any of them.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't need cool in terms of popularity. I well, want cool in terms of like, you got my back.
0: We talked about in the last chapter, <clears throat> the woes of Mrs. Weasley, how fear is a intangible emotion. Mm-hmm. The idea of someone being cool is completely relative. (laughs) Like, what is that? Right. If they're cool to you, that's all that matters. Right. Like, you don't have to be, like, the president of the United States, or you don't have to be winning a beauty pageant.
1: Influencer on TikTok or whatever.
0: Like, what is that, really?
1: Yeah. It's a hard concept, I think, for people to get past, because when you're young... You're preoccupied with. I need to fit in. I don't want to get based. picked. I don't want to get picked on. I have to. I mean, I don't know how it was for men, but for girls, the idea of like a mean girl who's going to make those backhanded comments and make you feel insecure about yourself—it's very, very. Real. I think
0: the coolest thing is not to be sappy or whatever, but the coolest thing is to be comfortable with who you are. Yeah. And the more comfortable with who you are, however weird you might be, (laughs) but if you're comfortable with it, that's who you are. And there's no shame in that.
1: And I think that's why Luna is such a fan favorite. I mean, there's so many people who identify with her, whether you're, like, you know, introverted or if you're someone who's, like, autistic or has Asperger's or whatever. Like, you see Luna as accepting herself and not giving too flying you know what's about what anyone else thinks of her she just is who she is and knows that this is what makes her happy so she's going to do the things that make her happy even if it's not the way that normal people well, act
0: they're they're going to be people no matter you can pick a very popular person you can pick movie stars mm-hmm. pick a movie star there are going to be millions of people that love that movie star. Right. There are also going to be millions of people that dislike that movie star. Right. So, and then you
1: discover that movie star is like a big like Dungeons and Dragons nerd or history buff or whatever. Or a complete jerk. Right.
0: Either way. strange. Right. I did take note of like, wow, this uh, group of four in this compartment um, does some things. Mm-hmm. You know, they they go quite a long way and this is essentially that start mm-hmm. that we get. So...
1: Another thing from this chapter that I think is noteworthy, um, we know that Moody was freaking out because Sturgis Podmore did not show up to be part of the guard to bring Harry off to the train. And he was like, you know, first he hasn't returned my invisibility cloak, and this is the second time he's failing to show up. Well, the reason that he's missing is because he's currently under the Imperius curse. We know that he was standing guard at the Department of Mysteries on level 9 the day of Harry's trial. And we know Lucius Malfoy was on level 9 the day of Harry's trial. So on that day, Lucius Malfoy put him under the curse. And then today, August 31st of, you know, going back to school, um, he was forced to break into the Department of Mysteries at 1 a.m. to steal the prophecy. And we later find out because of that, he was sentenced to six months in Azkaban when he was caught. Thankfully, he didn't say why he was there. He didn't give a defense of himself because, you know, that would reveal the order and whatnot. But yeah, there's a reason for his his absence.
0: He does end up returning to the order Mm -hmm. uh, after his stay in Azkaban. This is also kind of side note what we were talking about uh with with you and i were talking about with wizard prisons i still feel like there should be an intermediate in between <laughs> that like while that but is a, mean
1: free in azkaban
0: <laughs> like yeah because i feel like azkaban's a max security prison mm-hmm. made for like the Bellatrixes of the world mm-hmm. Well, he committed a serious crime in trying to break into a secure area at the Ministry of Magic. I don't necessarily know that he should be lumped in with mass murderers.
1: Well, especially when he is under the Imperius Curse, which, which I don't know if they can prove. I or don't not. think they can. That's, so that's hard. Yeah. But you're right. Like six months in Azkaban for being forced to do something against. I'm Shiro. stunned. It was only
0: six months. He must have had a perfect. Squeaky clean record <laughs> to only get six months. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, because
1: I mean, it's the Department of Mysteries.
0: There's a lot of. And it's the Ministry of Magic. That if too. you're Yeah. If you're trying to break into, like, they're. I'm surprised they didn't send them to more.
1: I do like, though, that, like.
0: Especially with him not mounting a, a defense.
1: <laughs> I like that Malfoy is able to just wander around freely within the department because clearly he has clout, but he's not accused of breaking into the ministry.
0: Well, I mean, I think the assumption is that he has business at the ministry. Yeah, but he's
1: also wandering around wherever the heck he wants to go.
0: He's not breaking into secure corridors yet.
1: (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Speaking of another absence with Hagrid being gone, we know he is still off dealing with the Giants, which is why he's not here. He'll be back, but not for several chapters. You know,
0: we would be remiss. Because we didn't mention who actually ended up catching Sturgis Podmore, Uh... Eric, the security guard that Anna loves so much, (laughs) was the one that ended up catching Sturgis Podmore. (laughs) Anyway, continue with your thoughts.
1: I did enjoy that that episode that you guys had of just like the security guard. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Well, now that Anna mentioned him, we got to give him his love. We do.
1: He was doing his job. He did his job. Good job. Um, he doesn't
0: later, but that's no. For he doesn't
1: later. Uh, he had to be knocked out or something. They had to...
0: I still like the idea of like Bell tricks. We don't have to kill everybody. <laughs> Let's just give him the night off. Maybe they <laughs> like, lured
1: him to a staff room with like promise of a sandwich or something.
0: Here's a cookie.
1: <laughs> but in any case, yeah, Hagrid's not there. Um, we know he's off dealing with the giants and trying to not get murdered by them, but also. Um, you know, extend the arm of friendship from Dumbledore and try to get the giants on their side, which ultimately, of course, does not work. But he does learn a bit of personal information about himself, which we'll just get into way later.
0: There's a whole chapter devoted to it. Yeah, there is. There's several, actually.
1: Yeah. And then, of course, we know the Quibbler plays a big role in this whole book series. It's...
0: It does, as counter-programming.
1: Mm-hmm. It's more accurate
0: counter-programming. I
1: mean, like, within book seven, we see, like, how...
0: People end up trusting the Quibbler more than the Prophet. Yeah. Like, widespread people.
1: But then, too, in this book, like, the Quibbler is Harry's means for getting the truth out about Voldemort when he has his Rita Skeeter interview, and the Quibbler gets banned because Umbridge hates it. (laughs) Which is perfect, because then everyone reads it. Yeah, it's a fun conspiracy magazine that slowly but surely works its way towards
0: Real legitimate. News. Yeah, <laughs> yep.
1: That's so a good one. I like it.
0: Anything else for the spoilers?
1: No, I just can't wait for more Thestrals.
0: We will get them. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of a shorter chapter, kind of a oh, I don't want to say breather chapter, but it's a little bit of a breather chapter after some of those. Also, oh, often
1: had. the 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 journey to Hogwarts is like. Let's just get ready for Hogwarts. Like, let's go. Let's get to Hogwarts.
0: And it gets very interesting once, yeah, because... once they get there. So we have some big chapters coming up. So with some big characters. With some big characters. <laughs> so stick with us. Uh, please like, comment, share the podcast. We really appreciate all of that support. Uh, if you look on Spotify or wherever you get the podcast, Google, Apple, uh, you will notice a support the podcast link which you can use to make donations uh, financially to the podcast, which will really, really help out because this is a lot of time and effort put in.
1: you also notice some polls.
0: Please participate in the polls. I feel like they're pretty good ones. So yeah. we, And we want to hear what you guys think uh, on our debates, and usually the polls surrounding some debate that we had in the episode. So I think there's some good ones. You know, I actually recently checked the... Does Trelawney get too much hate? No, oh God. <laughs> what was the result? It's fifty-fifty. Oh, it's fifty-fifty. <laughs> so I'm not way off base. So yeah, how about that?
1: What about the first episode poll? How many of the listeners are <sighs> brand new readers?
0: That's it's not fifty-fifty, but it's close. It's like forty-nine, three, fifty point seven, somewhere in that range. It's wow. close. So yeah, that that first poll on our first episode is new listener or new readers to the series and people that have read the series a lot, and it's stunningly close, Hmm. which is cool. I think it
1: makes me happy. People are both rereading and discovering Discovering. it. Yeah,
0: yeah. So participate in those, so we get to know what you guys think of the books, our debates, the podcast as a whole, (laughs) and we will be back next week with chapter 11. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at pod.